Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. In a hotline, Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. We're having a great Friday. Weekend is here. It started last night. We had uh, two baseball games. Thriller out in the desert. Arizona walk-off win. Beat Philadelphia 2-1. to one. They're back in that series now. Of course, quieted those Phillies bats. Phillies a different team on the road than they are at home, that's for sure. But uh, Snakes get the big win. The walk-off. Rangers and Astros. Astros winning again in Arlington. 8-1 now this year. Banged out 10 runs. Three in the first, four in the fourth. And on to the 10-3 victory. They'll play again today. 407. We'll have that game for you right here on the horn. I think it's one of those things both teams, both fan bases feeling pretty good, Rod. I mean, Astros should be to bounce back, but the Rangers now in a best of three series with their two best pitchers going to the mound today and Sunday with Jordan Montgomery. And then uh, Nathan Avaldi, who both pitched very well in their first starts. And uh, here we are. Yes, clutch time now. Two wins to the World Series for one of the Texas teams. All on the line. Now, I will say the series has been. As good as we thought it would be. It's been really competitive. Yeah, Rangers own games one and two. Astros bounce back in games three and four, and here we go. Um, Three-game series now. Three-game series with, again, it's it's both teams' best pitchers to go in the next two games, right? Uh, if we get to a game seven, then it'll get interesting because it'll be, you know, Christian Javier likely against maybe Max Scherzer. I don't know mm-hmm. what the Rangers would do in that spot, but um, both teams hope it doesn't get there. But, you know, you got to win, got to win two more. Uh, also in that Arizona win, how about Brandon Fought? That guy... First pitcher in Major League Baseball history to have no runs and no walks in consecutive postseason starts. Think about that. That's never been done before. He just did it. That's pretty awesome. It's been hard to outpitch the Phillies, but he did it. And (laughs) his name is spelled P-F-A-A-D-T, but it's pronounced fought. Fought. Like like fought the war. Oh, nice. Fought. Fought. I like that. But say that again, though, Rod. First pitcher in MLB history. History. They've been playing baseball a long time. Long time. No runs, no walks in consecutive postseason starts. Yeah, because the Phillies 1.47 ERA, lowest ERA in the first nine games of a single postseason, second yeah. to only the 1983 Orioles at 1.10. So that we've been talking about the home runs for Philly, and they the bats have been on fire, but it's really the pitching that has smothered uh, the, their opponents really in the playoffs so far. I've been smothering opposing uh, batters. With that pitching. That's exactly right. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good series. Obviously, Astros-Rangers good. 4.07 today. That'll roll right into Vandergrift football. So no sports complex today. And the Eisen show will wrap up right at 3.30 with the pregame. So, um, you know, Coach. I kind of like the 4.07 start because they can get that game in before the weekend gets going, right? And then you don't have to worry about Rangers-Astros mm. again until Sunday night because they won't play Saturday. So you got uh, you know, you got weekend plans. You can ch- catch that game. I'll be listening while driving down to Galveston Run. Daytime playoff baseball. I love it. I love yeah, it. It is kind of cool. From the from the Gilf. 
Hey, the Astros like the gilf. Or as the Astros like to call it, pound town. Yeah, <laughs> they like to they like to pound away in the gilf. That's right. They do. Uh, Rangers need a win, though, too. Jordan Montgomery has been outstanding for the Texas Rangers. You know what's funny, Rod, is whenever we mention Taylor Swift and the relationship with Travis Kelsey, we get a million text messages that say nobody cares. Clearly nobody cares because you guys won't text. Everyone texts. The thing we get the most texts about is Taylor Swift. People, yeah. It's unbelievable. They won't let you yeah, know but nobody cares. how much they don't. They dislike <laughs> yeah. that story. Come on. Yeah, I mean, she's the biggest pop star in the, in the in world. In the world. Nobody the world. cares, though. TV ratings are up. Kids are watching. Nobody cares. Six out of ten. Wh- women are watching now. Young girls are now watching yeah. football more. Young girls are watching football. They're allowed. Young girls are listening to the Travis Kelsey, Thank Jason you. Kelsey podcast. I don't even listen to the Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey podcast. And yet you got I young teenage it. girls doing it because they're like, nah. can I get a little tidbit about the Taylor Swift relationship with Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, look out. They're it's on their in, way. They're on intriguing. their way to babies, apparently. It's intriguing. That'd be good. Hey, we've got uh, football on the brain for sure coming off last night's Jacksonville win. Jacksonville, by the way, which team is, are, you, are you more bullish on, Rod, right now, The of, of surprising teams? The Jacksonville Jaguars or the Detroit Lions? Is it the Lions? Detroit Lions. Yep, more, yeah. than, more than the Jags, because, even the 5-2. Yeah, if you go look at Detroit Lions, might have the best old line in the league, too. Yeah, we've talked about we they can run the ball. Yeah, we don't talk about it enough. That old line is legit. It's one of the top three to five best old lines in all of football, and that's the key for Jared Goff. That's when Jared Goff was killing it with the Rams. When the Rams' O-line starts to deteriorate a little bit, that's when Jared Goff was exposed. You can get Jared Goff protected with time to throw the football downfield. There's a reason he was the number one overall pick. You see that when I he's protected. I saw him twice against Texas for Cal. He was really good. He was slinging it because he had protection. Texas wasn't getting to him. Well, and like most quarterbacks, he's not great under pressure. He's not yeah. great with, with, with people in his face. Uh, and, you know, he's an interesting story because when he was traded, he was kind of a— Oh, a throwaway piece. We, you got to do this to make the Matt Stafford trade. Yep. It worked for the Rams. They won the Super Bowl immediately. And he's supposed to be a bridge quarterback for Detroit well, today. They figured he out is, the long-term plan. Now here he is playing as the best quarterback in the NFC. Uh, and the numbers would tell you that he is. Mm-hmm. And he's only 29 years old. I know he's been through all so these. Like he's like this old guy. He's like not even 30. Well, his career arc has been so strange yeah. and obtuse that it feels like he is old because he's already been thrown away twice. Right, he's been thrown away because remember he thought he was a bust with the Rams. Then Sean McVay comes in, resuscitates his career, makes him a Super Bowl, uh, turns him into a Super Bowl quarterback, helps develop him. And then Sean McVay decides, well, he's good enough to get there but not to win it. And he throws him away again. And then he goes to Detroit. Everybody goes, oh, he's a bridge quarterback. Detroit will draft a franchise quarterback. Until then, though, they'll have Jared Goff to fill in the blanks. And then it's like Jared Goff now playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And it's like, well, so I guess now he's our franchise quarterback. And it's, it's, it's because of Ben Johnson, who's now a fast riser as the offensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions, who decided, oh, no, in the right system, in the right situation, built the round with the right recipe, Jared Goff can be a hell of a quarterback. And you've had two offensive gurus determine that. Sean McVay determined it, then gave up on it, and then now Ben Johnson has determined it and proven it as well. Well, I mean, you say it all the time, Rod, when it comes to relationships, right? You typically don't marry the, the hottest woman you ever went out with. It's the one you're most compatible with, right? That's right. Maybe you did. If you get both, you get that. That's, hey, good that's for good. you. God bless you. But you're looking for the most compatible person for your lifestyle and, and what you're looking for, big picture. Offensive coordinators and court coaches are the same way, Rod. They want the quarterback who is most compatible with what they do. And clearly Sean McVay was not a big fan of Jared Goff, for whatever reason, right? Um, just like Kyle Shanahan with Brock Purdy, right? Is mm-hmm. Brock Purdy the he's most the talented one. player he's ever had a quarterback? No. Probably not. Trey Lance was supposed to be that. But he he <laughs> does it like he wants him to. All right, he runs his system the way he wants him to run the system. Um, you know that, and, and that's how coaches are. They have a system, and they want you to run that system. And then, you know, every once in a while you find a unicorn like Patrick Mahomes who 
would probably run any system. Flourish in any system. And it just so happens he's with Andy Reid, which makes it magical. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, so so Andy Reid has found not just the the one who's best for a system, but the hottest one. So he gets both. Mm -hmm. He gets the double dip. But Jared Goff is a good player. I mean, there's again, the reason he was the number one pick in the draft. And now he's at 29 playing as the best quarterback in that conference. And yes, but I I would not diminish the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars, we were in the playoffs a year ago. Got off to a bit of a slow start. They lost to Houston. Remember, mm-hmm. Houston went in there and beat them up, beat them up pretty good. They yep. lost that game to the Chiefs week two. Uh, but now they've won four in a row. And uh, they're seven and two, Rod. They look good. Uh, or five and two, I should say, through seven games. I wouldn't sleep on Jacksonville because we now know the AFC is wide open, too. Uh, the Bills, the Ravens, the uh, Chiefs are all there. But I think Jacksonville is in that conversation, especially. Doug Peterson, when they got off to that slow start, really went back to work and they got their run game going. And Travis Etienne has scored six touchdowns in the last three games. Yeah, they got their running game is starting to find its its way. Find and we its know groove. they have Christian Kirk. We know they have Calvin Ridley, yeah, Emmett Ingram at tight end, and Trevor Lawrence is a really good player. <laughs> and their defense is improved this year. So I don't think I'd sleep on the Jaguars. Uh, you know, five and two through seven, pretty strong. Uh, the 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 Lions play the Ravens this weekend. That's you know two really really big marquee matchups. The noon game uh, on Sunday is Detroit at Baltimore, and then the night game obviously Philadelphia and Miami. The battle of five and one teams. Those are the best games in the National Football League this weekend. That doesn't feature the Texans or the Cowboys. They're both off this weekend. <laughs> More people telling us on text on how they do not care. Fair about enough. that Taylor Swift story. I get it, but you guys recognize that it is relevant. And you also recognize that it's a five-hour program, and we, for like two minutes we talked about Taylor Swift in a five-hour show. It's true. Uh, we do 25 hours a week, uh, and we have an off-the-record segment where we talk about off-the-record things that are not always sports-related, Rod. Oh, and that was off-the-record. That was off-the-record. There the you go. There See? you go. See, Keep I'm, it in there. Keep it in there. <laughs> so she said. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> get close to the 10 o'clock hour, the fifth hour. Hey. It's already starting early. It's the weekend. So we usually start the fifth hour in the, during the fourth hour. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's how it goes. And I've got uh, I, I'm on getaway day, Rod, because we're going to Galveston. Oh, so you're my, you already checked out. Well, no, I'm trying to figure out. Already. I got to get packed. I got to, but I, I got to be out. on the road in time to be able to listen and watch. Because now with my YouTube TV account that I have, I can watch. Cut the cord, baby. I can watch the Astros game on my phone while I'm driving. Okay, and okay. Well, safe. first of all, it'll whoa, be in a safe spot. Whoa, whoa, what do you mean while you're driving? While you're riding, I'll put it right up underneath where my speed speedometer is, and it'll sit there, and I can just I can see the road, but I can more hear the game. So your periphery, you can see it. So I can more hear the game, and and if I, I can glance down every now and again, just like I would the Mm. speed limit, uh, the speedometer or whatnot, and I can keep an eye on the game. YouTube TV is so nice. YouTube TV is phenomenal. Now I could do that too with Directv Mm. um, when I had that because I could watch it on my phone. But yeah, it is nice to be sitting at a restaurant or sitting somewhere and be able to watch whatever you want. Don't do it when you're driving as much. Yeah, it's more for the audio. I don't like distracted driving. I I love how distracted driving is not illegal. Like if you put you 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 have your hand like your phone in your hand, that's illegal. No, but, I wouldn't. I wouldn't care the phone. I know. But and I don't. Te- I don't my, text while I drive. No, no, I agree with you. And I'm saying that's illegal, and that's why they asked you to have the hands-free device, which you have, of course. But it's still distracted driving to be paying attention to anything other than the road. Like when women are putting on makeup when they're driving. True. When y'all are eating chicken nuggets while you're driving, eating fries, whatever it is, distracted driving is bad. But that's not illegal because that would piss off too many businesses. So they just say hand. You gotta have the hands-free device, which actually is My not that much free. safer if you're has a hands-free device and you're actually paying attention to the device and not the road. Who was the NBA player? There was an NBA <laughs> player long ago. That not long ago, it was several. It was pretty good. But ago, look it up, Ty. He was watching 
It was late at night, oh, and I, he was watching porn. Yo, you he was oh, like, what is it? No, 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 I think you're right. Oh, and he crashed into a parked I car or something. I vaguely remember this. I think Hold he played up. for the Timberwolves or something. And he was oh. driving through a neighborhood, and he was watching like a porno or something, and he smashed into another car, <laughs> and the cops came, and he like, yeah, no, I was watching my iPad or something. Oh, man. Yeah. Exactly. This says, I hope he has Tesla with an autopilot. No, no, I'm a good driver. I've never had a car accident. Where I'm, when okay, I'm you're right about this. Here it is. Uh, Eddie Griffin, I believe. Eddie Griffin! I believe it's... <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, I believe it's him. Oh, is he? Is Eddie Griffin no longer with? Okay, so apparently it says, oh, March 30, two thousand six. Griffin was involved in a car crash. Filing um, the, the the circumstances, they said that the witnesses and friends stated that he was watching an adult movie on a on a DVD in his vehicle, and yeah, was um, not being master of his own domain at the time. Was not. Was not was being not hands free or was hands free. He, well, they. <laughs> Yeah, the hands were busy. Let's just say that he was not master of his own domain. If you're master of your domain, then you win the bet on Seinfeld, which means you're not and let me be clear on this to the authorities out there and the nervous Nellies. I'm not actually watching the game. I'm listening to the game. (laughs) See, make people nervous. And you know who doesn't listen to like Craig Way call a baseball game or a football game? Oh yeah, we always listen to play by play. That's essentially what I'm doing. With the, uh, the 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 YouTube TV. Hey, can I can't we go? You remember that story? E. That was from a long time ago. I guess you never forget a story like that. No, <laughs> that's the it ultimate distracted <laughs> driving story. Oh, it stands out. You're right about that. That stands out. Bang oh, it out it, while you're driving. What are we doing? Oh my can't god! Can't you he, wait till you get home to do that? And he died in Houston like a year later. Oh, he did. Yeah, he died in Houston like a, it said in Houston. He died August 17, 2007, at 25. Oh, that's so sad. Rest in peace. I did not know that. Yeah, that's so sad. I didn't know that either. Uh, all right, let's get to Rod's rant uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. Rod always bringing you the deep dive conversations. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Bro, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, I want to talk about Texas and the Houston Cougars. You know, by this point in you know in the week, we broke down every which way this matchup can go, and you know we've talked about the unfortunately the U of H. Um, Defense, which is one of the worst defenses in the Big 12. We're giving you the numbers, and they are terrible numbers for U of H. <laughs> um, 107th in scoring defense, 117th in pass defense, 96th in rush defense, 79th in red zone D, 126th in touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone, 117th in total defense, 106th in 10-plus yard plays allowed, 90th in 20-plus yard plays allowed, 123rd in third down defense, 133rd in fourth down defense, uh, 105th in sacks, 86th in tackles for loss. You get it. They're the worst defense in the Big 12. Thinks to myself, wh- what would U of H do in this game that could, I don't know, that could throw Texas off, that could confuse Texas? And I'll just say, I'll just throw this one thing out there because I don't think there's anything really U of H can do. I think Texas will have their way passing or running against U of H. So at the end of the U of H game, if Quinn Ewers or Jonathan Brooks are both or not can or not back in the Heisman conversation, <laughs> or not in the conversation for national awards after a prolific showcase performance versus the U of H defense, something must have gone wrong. Because one of those guys should have a huge day. Somebody needs to have a huge day. I'm talking about Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell with 150-plus yards receiving, Jonathan Brooks with 200-plus yards rushing, Quinn Ewers, 300 yards passing. It, one, you got to have a big day against U of A. Somebody will just because the defense is that bad. But 
keep this in mind. This is the only thing I can think of that that U of H might do. Doug Belk is a very uh, aggressive defensive coordinator. They they are they do have ten takeaways, so they're opportunistic. But uh, like I said, I don't see them with many strengths to rely on defensively. So it's all all be about how Sark decides to approach it. Does he want to run the football against U of H and play a little bit more conservative and keep that offense off the football off the field and not have his defense exposed, or does he want to just go out there and you know you know basically decide he's going to throw to open up the run and have his full complement of weapons deployed against U of H? Here's the one thing I think Doug Belt could do, and we've seen it it actually work multiple times this season. With Quinn Ewers. In that Oklahoma game, remember, Jonathan Brooks and Xavier Worthy in the postgame both stated that you that Oklahoma came out defensively and gave them a look, a presentation that they had not seen on film and hadn't prepared for on film. All right? And with that being said, I think uh, X-Men said it was a joker defense that they came up with they hadn't seen on film. But with that being said, remember, Sark admitted after the, after the first three games of the season that in two of the three games, he didn't specify, but we hypothesized. He didn't specify which ones, but we assume it was Rice and Wyoming. He said the opponent gave us a look on the field. They presented us with a defensive look that we did not prepare for and that we had not seen on film. And I assumed that those two games were Rice and Wyoming because that was the slow start for Quinn Ewers. I mean, anybody who's got you know any common sense assumes that Sark's been preparing for that Bama game for a long time, and Quinn probably knew those plays already, was very comfortable and familiar with those plays. That's why he looked so comfortable running all those plays against Bama, because Sark's been preparing for that game for months in the offseason. Not so much for Rice, not so much for Wyoming, and both of those teams presented Texas with a look they hadn't seen. If, if Doug Belk wants to ensure a slow start, or at least wants to have the better odds at Texas starting slow, just like Quinn did versus Rice, Wyoming, and Oklahoma. Now he found his groove. He found his way because he's a veteran quarterback. That's just maturity. But a slow start for Quinn means a slow start for Texas. Like in the Oklahoma game, like in Rice, like in Wyoming, you got to throw something at Quinn that he is not prepared for, that you have not put on film. All right, they they won't they they haven't seen on the field, or they won't be prepared for on the field until they play you, and then they'll have to adjust on the fly, real time. That forces Quinn to be indecisive, forces him to be a little bit anxious in the pocket, holds on to the ball a little too long. That's the Quinn that you know will start slow, but still, just like in Oklahoma game, he found his way in last three quarters of that game. He's one of the better, uh, basically one of the uh, better Quinn viewers I've seen uh, at Texas. Actually, it's the last three quarters of that Oklahoma game. So keep that in mind. And if Quinn starts slow and takes starts off offensively, it may be because defensively, with nothing to lose, U of H decided, you know what, to hell with it. We don't, we don't ever run three high, but we're going to run three high, three down today because we got nothing to lose. Our defense is going to get battered and bruised anyway. So throw that out there. That's the only thing I can see U of H defense doing, just something different that they haven't put on film. Yeah, they gave up 391 yards passing to Garrett Green of West Virginia. Exactly. And they were not a prolific offense coming into that game. Uh, that's a big number. They don't even uh, want to throw it. Texas Tech scored 49 in their win over Houston. Rice beat Houston. Yeah. Rice. I mean, Houston is a Hail Mary away from being a 2-4 and four football team right now, and, and Dana Holgerson on the serious hot seat. Yes. I don't, so defensively, they, they're throwing Hail Marys defensively. Yeah, they are. That's what they're going to be doing in this game, just some Hail Marys. And maybe – one or two of them hit, and I think that's what you may see early on because they try to go status quo against Texas and do what they have been doing on defense, they are going to get annihilated. <laughs> they just will. Texas is too good offensively.
Now, in the red zone, in the red zone, that's key, too. If you're Doug Belk, the best game plan strategy would just play bend but don't break. You know, in between the 20s, make sure you tackle everything and get Texas on the ground and make sure you play red zone defense. That essentially is the most pragmatic, common sense approach to defend Texas. doesn't guarantee you're going to stop from scoring. They're going to score outside. They've scored more touchdowns outside the red zone than in the red zone. So you're going to give up some plays there. But if you can force Texas to earn it in the high and the low red zone, they've proven that's the weakest part of their game offensively. 123rd in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. So if Doug Belk has any approach, it may be throw something at Texas they haven't seen on film yet to to start uh, Quinn off a little bit slowly to confuse and discombobulate them and then play red zone defense, force Texas to play red zone offense. We will come back when we do. There's Rod's Rant brought to you by Apple Leasing. When we pick it up, the uh, Texas Talk, the rest of the Big 12, the football weekend, plus uh, more previews of Astros Rangers today, 4.07. For the end of this hour, we're going to play some Who Said That? on the fabulous uh, Friday edition of Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber. Austin, Texas Sports, the Horn. Texter says, hey guys, how about that low bridge pitch to Altuve last night? Camera angle from the umpire's mask was crazy. That was, that was chin music if there ever was chin music right there. That thing came up and in. Up and in, man. And, t- of course, Altuve dives out over the plate anyhow, and he was having to dive back. Speaking of the umpire, he was horrible last night. That's unacceptable. It's not, it's not good. It's not a good look for Major League Baseball, Rod, in the most important games of the year, right? You're down to your Final Four, so you should have your best umpires, right? Should be to that. So. Should be that point. Yeah, you would think so. But before the game, you hear John Smoltz, who I think is the best color analyst in any sport, period. Uh, I just think you learn more from watching a game that John Smoltz does, and he just talks you through the game like, kind of like he would. I just think he's excellent at his job. But he said that uh, you know this umpire has the widest zone in baseball, known to have the widest strike zone. See, that's not okay. That's my whole point with the automated strike zones. That, that's, that's, not, that's not good. And then you mm-hmm. proceed to watch the game, and his strike zone is garbage for both teams. I mean, he's calling balls a foot off the plate, a strike. He's calling balls right over the plate, balls. It's like you don't get to have it your way, guy. You don't. That's <laughs> not, B, it, say BK. Say Burger Bur- King. Yeah, this isn't your game. <laughs> you don't get to. You know, you can't be there. The, no, it, it, we need to get this right. These are these games are too important for both sides, for both pitchers. Anybody knows the difference in a two to one, two one count versus a three zero count is huge, or a one one count versus or one zero versus zero mm-hmm. one. These are huge pitches. They are the biggest time of the year uh, to set up the next pitch and and um, you know stay out of tough you know pitchers your hitters counts and vice versa. It's just a shame. I mean, hopefully, and I know they're working it. It's all the way to AAA now, Ron, where they're doing the automated strike zone. It's coming. And it, yeah, it's inevitable. And games like that, and watching guys like Angel Hernandez call games, it's like, okay, this need, this is time. Maybe this baseball is, time. is always, you know, they always fought against progress and technology. Even the rule changes, remember, kicking and screaming the whole damn way, and now everybody loves it. Everybody's celebrating yeah. the rule changes. They've always, I don't know, for some reason, it's the old traditions of baseball. They like that it's an antiquated sport, and they hate to modernize it in any way. They feel like it's like disrespectful to the game or ruining the game. It's like, no, it's okay to modernize no, the game with technological advancements. It only adds to well, the and product. And our job, you're always... <laughs> Want to be contrarian? I've always argued for this automated strike zone way back, and it was contrarian. It was, it was well, contrarian back then. Now it's not because I, I yeah. believe that it would make the sport better. Um, that simple. I, um, it just 
because people, well, the, you're taking the human element out. Actually, you're not. You're actually the humans that I want to watch play are the are the players. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Those are the humans. I don't care about the officials and ops. Yeah. I just want the strike call to strike or ball. Yeah. Uh, I don't need your opinion. Uh, I just need it to be a strike. I mean, did you I mean? Did you see the play at, the, at first base last night where Marcus Simeon was called out because uh, Jose Abreu's glove hit his batting glove finger? Like, as he was diving back in, he missed the tag, but his batting glove was hanging out of his pocket, and it hit one of the fingers on the glove, and by, by rule, that's an out. Wow. Uh, and you got the call right. You got the call right. Which, that's, that's what we're here to do, y'all. Uh, but that's my opinion. Speaking of rules, Rod, can I play you something? Because you mentioned earlier this Michigan investigation into the university. Yeah, it's a wild story. Well, listen to this. Now, maybe this, where this, this could be where this started. So the accusation is they're illegally scouting teams ahead of time mm-hmm. on their schedule and then stealing the signs. And then during games, being able to relay the signs, this is what I draw. Now listen, this is Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano is his Rutgers team played Michigan earlier this year. And on the way to halftime, it was 14-7, to Michigan led. Okay. Listen to the going to the locker room interview with the Rutgers head coach and see if this doesn't maybe lead us to where this investigation began. Coach, four penalties for your team in the first half. Some that cost you. How do you clean that up in the second half? Well, there's some stuff going on out there, so we just got to slow it down a little bit. There's some things going on that aren't right as well, so we'll talk about how to handle it. This Michigan defense keeping Gavin Wimsett in this passing game in check. How do you adjust? Well, just got to keep playing. You know, in the game, we just got to keep playing. All right, thanks, so Coach. some stuff out there that's not right, Rod. Not right. Uh, I, I and still, you can see the look on his face. He's like, these sons of guns. What's going on here? I still say this. It, it, there's a difference between a felony and a misdemeanor. If they are, if, they sending out, if they're sending out advanced scouts uh, for uh, upcoming future opponents or possible future opponents, even if they're going to play them in the Coswell playoff, and those guys are gathering intel and gathering information and then bringing that back to the coaches, and then the coaches are using that to come up with game plans for future opponents, that to me is not that bad. That's a more of a misdemeanor. I know it's against the NCAA rules and it's kind of a gray area, uh, but that's because the NCAA is so damn antiquated, y'all. Come on now. The NCAA is living in like in 1932 for the most part. They just started to modernize that organization. So that's not that big a deal. But if they are in real time, if they have scouts and they have you know their own analysts or whatever over on the opposing sideline during a game, during a game where they're, they're, they're playing an opponent and they are taking and deciphering signals and signs from that opponent on that opposing sideline real time and then electronically relaying that information, all right, technologically relaying the information to the, to the Michigan coaches and then they are disseminating that information to the players, oh, yeah, now you're in a felony mode. That's felony stuff. Well, and right? uh, the AD for Michigan talked to Tony Petiti of the Big Ten. So clearly, I mean, like not clearly, but it sounds like Greg Schiano thought something was up. Yeah, he thought and something he was up. And he said it there, and then yeah. he reports it to the commissioner of the league, saying, hey, y'all, y'all need to look into this. Now the NCAA is looking at they're, they're breaking bylaw 11.6.1. Mm-hmm. And one source at TheAthletic.com in a story they wrote who was briefed on the allegation said Michigan is being accused of using a vast network to steal opposing team signs. The alleged evidence appears to suggest UM had knowledge of what play an opposing team was going to run before the play occurs. So, like I said, if, like I said, if that is from advanced scouting, not as big of a deal because that's essentially what you're doing watching film. Yeah. That's on the coaches for not changing their signals and changing their signs. That's on you guys because any fan can do that. No, Any right. fan can go to the stadium. I do that. 
<laughs> Who are you talking about? So I come in here and tell you guys what I'm doing. But I, you do that. You go there with binoculars. You can go there and write it up if you want to. Have it in your phone. You can go there and have advanced equipment so you can spy on the sideline. You can do that all this stuff anyway. All right. So I don't know the difference between a Michigan uh, affiliated person doing it and then some kind of random fan doing it. It's still advanced scouting. If they're doing it real time in the games and relaying that information, that to me is different. Then they're just doing advanced scouting. How is that different than you people? Coaches send other coaches to teams' games all the time. <laughs> it happens all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I, so I don't really understand. I'm a little confused about. I, I need particulars and specifics. Yeah, it will have to go further. But clearly, Greg Shiano thought something was up. That was more than what well. would be legal. <laughs> more than what would be legal. And maybe that's where it started. And then Shiano's not the first one. There's been others in the Big Ten saying, "Hey, wait a second. Um, you know, this team is. They know what our plays are. They're just they're, they're, they're that well prepared. Yeah, that's how you know you're paranoid. You're like, damn it, there's no way my opponent can be that well prepared, and I am so unprepared. You know what? They got to be cheating, and maybe they are cheating. Uh, but like I said, are they cheating, or did they find a gray area? There was a report that uh, Jose Altuve was on the sidelines with a <laughs> pair of binoculars. So take that up. Take that. Did uh, he bring a tra- to have a trash can too, or just yeah, buzzers? No, he, he had a. He had a and the buzzers, <laughs> even though, <laughs> even though the the whistleblower Mike Fires, who blew the whistle on his own Astros team, confirmed that Jose Altuve wasn't one that used that information. He didn't want it. He wanted to do see the ball, hit the ball. That was the guy. That, that was the guy that blew the whistle tie. He was the, the one that was, right, he was the whistleblower. Blow the whistle. It must have been Alex Bregman then. Okay, well, didn't, but quit saying Altuve. <laughs> it's never been proven that Altuve. That's your boy, isn't it? <laughs> you you know boy? how he feels about Altuve. Why are you sitting there poking the <laughs> if bear? If you want to talk about Carlos Beltran, and you want to talk about uh, other players who are most of them are no longer. There are only two players on the Astros who are still on the team who were on the team in 2017. Uh, Tosh trying to ruin your Friday. It's e. fine. He's trying to ruin your Friday. Altuve is an angel. He never, he never did anything wrong. <laughs> the whistleblower who blew the whistle on them rightfully. Was the one that said oh, Altuve never used it. He didn't want the information. He's a see ball hit ball guy. And he swings at everything. Swings at everything. Okay. All right. That's what he. That's why he's got two thousand. Little man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Somebody's getting a little nervous about their Rangers. It sounds I'm like not to me. Nervous oh, yeah. at all? Probably should be. He's probably yeah, just probably a little bit. Be. Both by, both both sides should be nervous. Montgomery's going to shove today. Hey. <laughs> So how about this? I was reading this story from Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, and he said that the headline is, as NCAA investigates Michigan, helmet communication technology may may soon make sign-stealing issue, uh, make the sign-stealing issue of the past. So the ability, this is what Major League Baseball has done to eliminate that, right? They just, they have the electronic system now where the catcher can signal to the pitcher, the, the pitch he wants. Yeah, they, so they don't, don't have to worry signal. about that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Dennis Dodd writes it that if you it says here if you polled coaches and said what's your number one technology desire, it would be coach to player communications, which you know they have in the NFL, mm-hmm. which they do not have in college, but it's got to be open, and that does eliminate right. So the the coach is talking directly to his quarterback, and vice and vice versa. Uh, NFL has it and and uses it you know every every week. And it seems to cut down because that's why the player, the, yep. the coaches are holding up signs, right? They got all the, they're holding the signs and, um, you know, got pictures of Aaron Andrews on the yep. sign or whatever. Pictures of NBA teams, yeah. logos, yeah. and pictures of rappers and stuff is all because they can be as cryptic as possible. But we know, uh, reportedly, Sark had this issue too. Right, reportedly, uh, Sark had an issue with teams either stealing signs or players who were leaving the team via the transfer portal sharing. Signs and information, but to me, that's more on the 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 program itself, the program that is be having its signs stolen. You have to be diligent about changing your signs. 
you got to be diligent about that. Or, like you said, e, we can just go to a more uh, wholesale remedy, which is let's just improve the technological, uh, th- through technological advancements, the communication between coach, play caller, and quarterback. And yes. you can do it on defense, too, by the way. That's exactly they got, right. They got the green dot on defense in the NFL, and the green dot well, means the defensive point. helmet. They, you know, that, they can communicate with the sideline. Just uh, It goes to your point about the NCAA needs to get out of the dark ages, and we, it's just technology ought to be allowed. It should, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, that's a great point. It's, this shouldn't even be an issue. Right. It's crazy. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that. Michigan is undefeated, number two in the country. Hey, they, they're undefeated because they're cheating, E. No, that's, that's, that, that's the investigation is looking into. <laughs> and it did sound like Greg Schiano wasn't sure what was happening there. I will say, because uh, I, I wouldn't doubt that Jim Harbaugh is, has a network like this. I said the point for me is, is it a misdemeanor or is it a felony? It's a fair question. Is he doing it in-game, real time? Because that's shady as F, all right? But if he's just doing advanced scouting, I could see him just saying, like, man, honestly, I didn't even know that was a rule. It's a stupid rule. I didn't know that was a rule. It's so stupid. I just assumed that it was a rule because that's the stupidest thing I've ever well, heard. I can't, send, I can't send scouts to go watch a game where 80,000 people are in the stands watching it with binoculars and got their own equipment watching it. Hey. I can't send my own guys. Well, uh, Pete <laughs> Thamel of, of uh, The Athletic says the NCAA investigation into Michigan sign-stealing scandal alleged operation, I shouldn't call it a scandal, it's an operation, includes a low-level staffer with a military background. Sources said NCAA enforcement is seeking access to the computer of the analyst Connor Stallions as part of the investigation. Oh, is this the, the guy, the main? Connor Stallions. All right, man. How, so how much is Michigan Boosters now willing to pay this dude to keep quiet? <laughs> Do they have subpoena like, power? Right. It's like, uh, listen, my man, we can hook you up. You might be fired from hope this he, gig. Don't worry about that, though. Hope, hope we got he, another uh, gig waiting for you. Hope he deleted his... Oh, browsing yeah. history. Oh, man. Browsing. <laughs> don't, oh, no. Don't a Hunter Biden situation. Oh, yeah. He's going to. That, that's, that, that computer is going to be exactly. That computer is going to be where uh, the, the, the white suit is from Wade Lewis. It's going to be in the same place. Where what computer? Are. What, you know, what are you talking about? With Tom Brady, with Tom Brady's phone? Uh, I change right my phones every change six my months. Phone. <laughs> I throw them away. He throws his phone away. That was his excuse. I, I, use, I get like a phone every three, four months, man. That's just the way I do it. I'm Tom Brady. I'm a celebrity. And we took that. We was like, really? No, he doesn't. He's not going to give his phone to the NFL? No. Come on. John Gruden showed you why you should never let the NFL have access to no. anything. No. Because that wasn't even about John Gruden. Yeah, he Tom just Brady, got... sexting. <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> hey, we'll be back. When we do, it's Who Said That? Who said that? Coming in. Who Said That Who time? Who said that? Love this sound. I, you, know, you know me, Rod. I'm a nostalgic guy. I like to go old school. Oh, man. Who said this on this date, October the 20th, uh, way back? This is a, an anniversary of a famous NFL rant. Okay. Happened on this date, 1996. Who is this, Rod Babers? Who, who said this? Who said that? Well, what happened was that second game, we got our ass kicked, or the second half. We just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, we're all, all, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It sucked. God bless. 
God bless Jim Moore. Jim Moore is the best. He man. is the best. You say diddly poo? Oh, man. I just love it. We just got our totally kicked. It's great. It really was. Shameful. I love that rant. I can listen to Jim Moore rant. So he's got like three or four of those, oh, too. Huh. Playoffs. 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 Playoffs? Talk about playoffs? <laughs> we stink. We talk about playoffs. Why doesn't any coach keep it that real anymore? Because I guess you get fired to keep it that real yeah. with your team. That's when you get fired. When keeping uh, it real goes wrong. That is definitely when keeping it real goes wrong. Uh, he right. and Mike Gundy, right? Those are the two. Yeah. Most quotable coaches, the uh, rantiest coaches, no doubt, man. There are some classy, but that is among the one of the greatest top five for me all time. That Jim Moore rant. It's, well, that it's happened amazing. on this day, nineteen ninety six. Oh, it's so it's got like four epic parts to it, like the diddly poo. You can take that part, you know. We got that totally kick. You can take that. We didn't do squat. I, he said, "I'm embarrassed and ashamed." <laughs> It was great. It's I'm like ashamed. Foster Moreau last yeah, night. Man, it was the Saints. so great. So great. Uh, okay. Uh, won't be as good as that one because nothing can stop that. Uh, Ty, who said that? Just uh, dial one of them up. Hit us up. If you were watching the game, you saw something uh, momentous happen. Momentous. Taylor Swift talking to uh, Ed Kelsey. Yeah, Taylor talking to Dad. You already know. You know Dad like I know Dad. Which is, he shouldn't be talking to Taylor. This is a a terrifying conversation. I felt terrible. If you see Dad talking to anybody and you can't hear what's happening, who knows where that conversation is going. (laughs) We can't keep kicking Dad just because we enjoy doing it. Our dad is the best dad in the world. He is. He is a great converser. It's where Jason gets his storytelling and a lot of his uh, charisma. It was nice because Mom has been getting quite a bit of the spotlight. So it was cool to see Dad up there on the Jumbotron. All he's doing is just absolutely pumping her up. He started listening to her music a little more. Bless his heart. That's good 92% has enjoyed seeing dad. All right, that's enough of it. That's awesome. I'm sure you know by now. The Kelsey's, yes. yes. Talking about their dad. Ed Kelsey. He shouldn't be talking to anybody. (laughs) It's not good. I love that. That's funny. Very genuine. But it goes to show how how tight they actually are, though. She's talking to the family and mom and dad. Well, I have three kids, and one's married. The other's had a boyfriend. One of my kids have had a boyfriend for a while, but... You would be proud if you're if you're one of your kids was dating the most famous person in the world, pop star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you know what you'd I mean? be like, and if you don't know who the person is, you'd be like, you know what? I'm That's proud of good. you. Yeah, <laughs> nice get. Uh, and she, like I said, she's been she's hanging out with the parents. You don't introduce women to your parents unless you are somewhat serious or you're oh, really. Yeah, like you're you're really excited about this relationship. That's when you do it. Only, only like four girls have met my wife. I mean, sorry, met my mom. And my wife was one of them. Like four women, period, ever. My wife was, that was, was the first pers- person I dated that my parents knew her name. Exactly. <laughs> you don't even know. No, exactly. I agree first with that. First name and last name. Don't waste mama's time. Don't, no, if, if, no. if mama meets her, mama needs to know. Then mama knows, okay, I can ask about her. I know who she is. You know, that kind of stuff. But don't waste mama's time. My and, mom's too nice to, to girls I date. How Ooh. many women have met your mom that you've dated? Like four, probably. Exactly. Come on, man. That's that's good though. But that's I've good probably number. only been in like maybe five serious relationships. That's probably what it is for guys. Guys don't consider themselves in real relationships until it like gets like serious yeah. with its capital S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why my parents will tell you that straight up. They they knew it was serious with my wife when I they met her. That's, it should be the case. She, they knew her name. Yeah. That should be the case. They're like, and her last name. They're like, Aaron's serious about this one. Like, yeah, oh, this yeah. one seems real. <laughs> this one seems On my dad's real. side, he's he's usually not a fan of any of the women I bring around, though. Really? Why is that? I don't know. Huh. I think it's because they're quiet. Oh, yeah. He, dad wants them to be talkative. He, he's a little scary sometimes. I could see that. I could see girls being a little talkative. Yeah, my mom likes talkative women, too. I want you to get get involved in the conversation. Don't be, don't be timid. 
Get in yeah, there. Get exactly. in this kitchen and let's talk about some stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm with you on that, though. You got to be ready and press around the parents. And Taylor was talking. Yeah. She was talking to dad. She was talking to mom. That's key. I'm telling you, it's real. It's real, man. I talk too much when I get around parents. Me too. I am that. I open up way too much. I get way too comfortable. It's my like, life story. Yeah. First yeah. time I meet anyone. <laughs> oh, that's why they like that. That's why you like them, man. Hey, we'll come back. When we do, it's the fabulous fifth hour, the which fifth. on a Friday makes it the fabulous fifth. 25th hour of our week. We'll wrap it up. We'll get some what's popping picks. Ty and I will go head-to-head five picks in college and pro football. Oh, yeah. Rod will have more Burn Orange Curtain talk behind the Longhorns conversation playing Houston tomorrow. Down in the third ward, third ward of Houston, H-Town. H-Town. Longhorns will be there tomorrow. We'll preview that. Coming back, hook them up.